Welcome to the Get in the Fight podcast. My name is Nate Whitson, and I'm the founder of Get in the Fight Ministries and our exclusive online fight club for Christian men. Everything we do here is dedicated to helping Christian men become the men that God meant for them to be. So if you're looking for helpful content and conversations that can help you to grow and become the man that God made you to be, then you're in the right place. But before we get started, please do me a huge favor and be sure to subscribe, click the like button, and then leave us a five-star review. Doing that helps us to reach more men who are looking for content just like this. Also, if you'd like to learn more about our mission and how to get involved or how to join the Fight Club, then head on over to getinthefight.club, that's getinthefight.club, and learn more today. But without further ado, it's time to get in the fight, so let's go. So we're talking about being better men. And we're here to learn to be the kind of men that God meant for us to be. And today's uh, the start of a conversation, a series of conversations about our decision-making processes. And in particular, learning to ask great questions that will lead us to better destinations. So if we're going to be men of honor and discipline and strength and joy, the four principles of our Get in the Fight ministry, then I think one of the best places for us to begin is to learn to ask better questions. So we're going to start going through what Andy Stanley has come up with in his book called Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets, and look at those five questions that he lays out for us in that book. So over the next uh, several podcasts, that's where we're going to go. So if you're somebody who has struggled to make great decisions and it has led you to a place of deep regrets, then this is going to be a great series for you to jump into. And I I have to imagine, just thinking of my own life here, that you probably can look back over your life and see that there are many decisions that you have made that have led you to regret and pain and suffering and hurt, not just for you. And I think this is really important to consider as you as you listen in today. Your decisions haven't hurt just you. Your inability to ask great questions, to steer you away from some of those decisions, has hurt many people around you. And so as much as this is going to be a helpful conversation, I think, in helping us to live better lives and to be better men, what we have to remember is that on the other side of every decision we make, there's people that we love, people that God loves and cares for and died for, who are affected by the individual decisions that we make. So we're going to start this conversation today about better decisions and fewer regrets, and I think you're going to enjoy it. I want to start with this conversation of something that I would talk to with federal employees years ago in my financial planning practice. So for many years, I would travel the country and I would work with federal agencies in particular, and I would do these retirement trainings and seminars. And I would talk to them about the five big questions that every federal employee would ask. And so we would start to work through different elements of their pension plan and retirement strategies and things like that. And and I would inevitably get to a point in that conversation where I would say this, I would say, look, I don't know you personally, and you don't know me, but I know something about you. And, and I want to help you to make some decisions for your future even though I don't know you that, that personally. And, they, and I would always say to them this, every one of us, because we're human beings, 
will eventually get to a place in life where we look backwards and we're going to say, think, or feel one of two things. Number one is going to be either I'm so glad that I did the things that I was supposed to do, or number two, I wish that I would have. And I would let that conversation just kind of sink in for a second because so many times we don't connect the future outcomes with the small decisions that we're making in the immediate. And, and it's an important conversation for all people, not just in retirement planning, but just in life. Every one of us is going to look back and see the decisions that we have made along the way that have led us to a very specific place in our life and think, feel, or say one of those two things. I wish I would have, or I'm so glad that I did. And just think about you know, the heaviness of regret for a second. Think about your own story and some of those things that you can look back at. Maybe when you were 15, decisions that you made then, or maybe you know, when you got married or something that happened when you were starting to raise your family. Decisions that you have made along the way that have led you to this heavy burden of regret. It's a terrible feeling to look back and to say, gosh, I wish I would have listened to instruction. I wish I would have paid attention to what my parents were telling me. I wish I would have listened to God's voice when he was speaking so clearly, but I chose to walk in this direction. I chose to make a decision, and now I'm left carrying this heavy, heavy weight. What's interesting, though, as we all know, is that we don't wake up <laughs> thinking that we're going to go to a place of regret. Like we're not thinking that I'm going to make a decision that's going to lead to a terrible outcome. We just don't do it that way. We don't wake up and decide that, you know, I'm going to ruin my marriage today. We don't wake up one day and just decide, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm going to make some decisions that are going to cause my kids to grow up and be lazy and depend on me for the rest of their life. You don't wake up one day and decide, you know, I'm going to get fat and out of shape. <laughs> I'm going to spiral my health so far out of control that I am stuck beyond belief and feel terrible in every category of my life. You you don't wake up and just say, you know what, I think I'm going to like bankrupt us and make sure that in my 60s and 70s, I have to still go to work because I didn't save for the future. You don't process your daily decisions like that. And yet we see these outcomes all the time relationships that have been hurt, marriages that fall apart, kids that are growing up living in their ba parents' basement and are completely dependent on them and can't or won't move out and move on. Look at the problem that we have with people in their health, the declining health that we have, the laziness that we have. Look at how many people don't have any savings for retirement or not enough to be able to make it work. We don't wake up and make decisions like that. And yet we end up in those places of deep regret all the time. I, I think the big question to ask is, you know, how does this happen? What is going on that leads us to these places of deep, painful regret? And the answer is one decision at a time, we let ourselves exactly to those places. One decision at a time led us to a place where our relationships are falling apart. It was one decision at a time, one day at a time, that we made a decision that in our parenting caused our kids to maybe embrace or not embrace certain values and structures for their life. One decision at a time, one meal at a time, 
one excuse to get out of the gym at a time, we can lead our health to a place of, of decline that, you know, causes us to fall apart in a thousand other ways. One decision at a time with our money to spend or to save or to give leads us to specific destinations. So where do you think all of these decisions lead us? Well, the answer is they lead us to regret. When we fail to make wise decisions, when we fail to heed God's instruction, we find ourselves making decision after decision that slowly but surely lead us in a path of major regret. I have on my phone right now this quote, and I don't know who it's from. It doesn't matter, I suppose. But the quote says, you don't decide your future. You decide your habits, and your habits decide your future. I put that on my phone because, again, I am tempted on a day-to-day basis to eat more than I need to. It's a problem that I have. It's genuine. I, I struggle to see food that's available and say no to what's so readily there for me, but I know it takes away from my goals and my health and isn't where I want to be five years down the road without control over food. I don't decide my future of that. I have to decide whether or not I'm going to work out even if I don't feel like it, right? When I wake up, if I'm you know, um, going throughout my day, I have to make decisions throughout the day whether or not I'm going to have a great attitude whether or not I'm going to have great effort at work, whether or not I'm going to decide that even though I've given great effort at work, I'm going to come home and see what I can do to serve my wife as soon as I come in the door, right? Decision after decision leads to habits, things that we do without even consciously thinking of them that leads us in specific directions. And those directions, again, lead us to looking back one day and saying, I'm so glad that I chose to be a, a great father. I'm so glad that I chose to love my wife. I'm so glad that I chose to, you know, do whatever it is that you were supposed to do or doggone it. I wish I would have, I can't get those days back with my kids. And I really wish I could start this over. I wish I could do it again. So th- think about your habits for a second. Think about your routines, the things that you do habitually. What are you more likely to say based on your current, not feelings, not wants, but based on your current habits and actions five years down the road, 20 years down the road, one year down the road, are you going to be in better shape? Are you going to be mentally stronger? Are you going to have a better relationship with your wife? Are you going to be a better dad? All of these things. Think about your life. Are you spiritually stronger down the road based on your habits. You know, if I were to say to you, you know, what's the most important thing in your life? Because you're listening to this, most likely you would say my relationship with Christ, and that's the correct answer. And then if I've, you know, pressed you further into your habits and your daily decision-making processes, and I said, well, what are you doing on a day-to-day basis to grow that relationship that you say is number one and most important? And if you don't have habits in place to maybe wake up earlier before your family and to lead your family by praying and getting into God's word, if you're not doing those things, if you're not making it routine to stay in good health so that your mind and body and spirit can all be in the best shape possible, then you can say that God is the most important, but by your habits and by your actions, you're not going to end up in a place where you're saying, 
and I, I feel like I'm living life to the fullest like, like Jesus offers to us. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying the conversation so far. And if you are, please do us a huge favor and be sure to subscribe, click the like button, and then leave us a five-star review. It only takes a few seconds to do this, but it makes a huge difference for us, and it helps us to reach more men who are looking for content just like this. Thanks so much for listening and helping us out. Now back to the show. So it's important for a second to pause and to really evaluate where you are standing today, not based on what you want or you say you want, but on what you are actually doing. Will the habits that you have lead you to a place of regret or a place of saying, I'm just so glad that I took this conversation serious, that I stopped where I was at and I made a decision to change the way I lived my life and I'm so glad that I did. That's really what we're talking about today. In fact, this ministry is geared towards helping Christian men to live better and bigger lives, to help you and to help me to become the kind of man that God had in mind when he made me, when he made you. God has a plan for your life and he wants you to prosper in him and in his way. He wants you to live with fewer regrets. And if we do, if we live with fewer regrets, that means that we will be more likely to hear those beautiful words one day where he says, well done, well done, good and faithful servant. That's really what we're aiming for here. And again, it will be God's grace. It won't be any, any earning at all when we get to him. It won't be because we did enough good things. I'm not saying that at all, but we absolutely would love to meet him face to face and have him say, well done. What did you do with what I gave you? You did a great job. I'm so proud of you. Welcome. Enter into the kingdom that I've prepared for you. So this is an important decision. And again, I want to reiterate that it isn't just about you and me. Yeah, we want to be able to meet the Lord and hear those words. But part of that will be, didn't you realize that when I gave you a heart of wisdom, when I gave you a strong mind, when I made you healthy and strong, it wasn't just about you. Your decisions didn't affect just you. It affects generations. It affects lives that you care deeply about. And so you have got to get stronger as a Christian man and learn to make better decisions. So to do that, we're going to go through Andy's book over the next few podcasts and look at, he has five questions and look at those five questions together about how to make better decisions using better questions. And I've always been a huge fan of this idea that if you want to make better decisions, you have to have more clarity. You've got to be able to see ahead and understand what's going on. And to get clarity, you need to ask great questions. And so here are the five questions. We're going to, I'll lay these out for you here. And then we're just going to look at question number one today. Question number one is what he calls the integrity question. Am I being honest with myself, really? We'll talk about that today. The other four questions that we'll get to is this. Number two is the legacy question. What story do I want to tell? Number three is a conscience question. Is there tension that deserves my attention? Number four is a maturity question. What's the wise thing to do? And number five is a relationship question. What does love require of me? So we're going to go through those in that order, looking through Andy's book. If you're able to see on YouTube, this is what it looks like. Better decisions, fewer regrets, and there'll be a link in the show notes for you if you want to look at that book any further. 
But again, today we're going to look at the integrity question. Integrity, if you're a part of this ministry, you know is a key component. It's one of the key principles that we pray for God to change in us every day. In fact, we say it like this. We use the word honor, that God would make us men of honor. And what we mean by that is that God would help us to have integrity in our private and public life, and that he would help us to keep the commitments that we've made to him and to others. And so one of the key components of living with fewer regrets and and living the kind of life, the better kind of life that God has for us, is learning to be that kind of man. And that's really what we're about here, trying to help us become the kind of men that live with integrity when nobody's watching. Integrity really, I've talked about this before, but there's this picture I have in my mind of integrity, and it's this uh, picture of a hurricane that went through you know, a coastal area at one point, and there's just devastation everywhere, except for one house. And in my head, I can still see this picture where there's this one house that's standing firm, that somehow, <laughs> I mean, there's chaos everywhere around it, destruction everywhere around it, but this one house was built with such integrity that no matter what the storm threw at it, it was able to withstand that storm and stay unmoved. And that's really such a great picture, isn't it, of what it means to be an, a man of integrity. Let's look here. I'm going to go to the book here and read just a little bit here from Andy's book about this integrity question and thinking about being unmoved in the midst of those kinds of storms. He says this, the easiest person to deceive is the person in the mirror. It shouldn't be this way, but it is. You have talked yourself into, deceived yourself into every bad decision you've ever made. Worse, you were the mastermind behind most of your regrettable decisions. Financial ones, relational ones, professional ones, academic ones. You were therefore and willingly participated in all of them. You've done more to undermine your own success and progress than anyone on the planet. Granted, there were outside pressures, other voices, people promising you stuff, maybe even threatening you with stuff. But in the end, you decided. But in most cases, you didn't decide by carefully weighing all the options and seeking wise counsel. You did the opposite. In many instances, maybe even most, you knew better or you should have known better. But as we touched on earlier, you ignored no better and started selling yourself on what you wanted in the moment. It's embarrassing. We lecture kids against participating in this kind of nonsense all the time. And I'm not pointing fingers. I participated in all my bad decisions as well. And yes, in many instances, I knew better. So what's up with that? What's up is that when it comes to good decision making, we face our greatest challenge every morning in the mirror. Self-leadership is the greatest leadership challenge any of us face. But self-leadership is a critical component to our success in every arena of life. You'll never be a leader worth following if you don't lead yourself well. And while that's apparent if you have an official organizational leadership role, it should be equally apparent if you're a parent. If you have children, the outcomes of your decisions are outcomes somebody you love will be forced to live with. Your self-leadership will greatly impact some other selves. Consider this, whether or not you want to be like your parents depends upon how well they led themselves, not what they required of or taught you. And whether or not your children will want to be like you is the same. Here's why. Exceptional self-leadership, not authority, is the key to sustained influence. We rarely open ourselves up to the influence of people that we don't respect, 
even if they have authority over us. So whether we're talking about professional life or your personal life, exceptional self-leadership is important. Your influence won't last if you don't lead yourself well first. Great leaders last because they lead themselves first. But here's the challenge. You can't lead yourself if you're lying to yourself. I love that. Self-leadership in this case is about learning to be the kind of man who makes great decisions. And if you want to be a person of great influence, and I like how Andy says this, it's sustained influence, meaning not just when your uh, kids are little, but when your kids are grown, if you want to be able to have influence over them, if you want them to be able to listen to you and glean from your wisdom of life, if you want to have impact in friends' lives, not just now, but long-term as well, whatever those key relationships are that you care about deeply, your ability to have sustained influence in their lives depends on you being able to be self-controlled, which as we know or should know, is one of the fruit of the Spirit. So when God really starts to change you, so as like for example, when we start to pray to Him every day in the fight club, God, make me a man like this. Help my heart and mind to be full of integrity. Help me to keep the commitments that I've made to you and to others. God, help me to be full of integrity in my private life, my thoughts and in my mind, in my actions, when nobody's watching but you. God, help me to be like that. When we can allow God's Spirit to give us control, self-control, we all of a sudden become the kind of man that has and deserves honor and influence. And that's really what this is about. And if we want to be men like that, then we've got to make sure that we stop lying to ourselves. Here's what I mean. Have you ever bought a house or a car or another pair of shoes or anything else that you knew deep down you definitely should not be doing this and yet you did it anyways? That is lying to yourself. This is where you really start to self-sabotage versus self-lead yourself. Have you ever looked at something inappropriate online knowing that you were going to cheat but in your mind, you lied to yourself and said, no, I'm just going to open my computer and, you know, look at something else. I'm just going to, I'm going to go somewhere else, knowing full well where it would lead you to. You lied to yourself. You didn't lead yourself very well. Have you ever dated somebody and done that? Knowing that this is a toxic relationship, knowing that everybody around you is saying, dude, run away. Don't do this, right? This is trouble. Stay away. And yet you did it anyways. It's amazing how we can lie to ourselves. If we're not honest with ourselves, the big problem with that is that we'll never take responsibility and ownership of it. And that's the key here. If you are always blaming poor decisions on some exterior thing, some other person or some circumstance or anything other than I am right where I'm at because of me, in my decisions, if you don't get to that point that says the, the blame stops here, that I take ownership of me, if you don't do that, then you will never get to be a man of honor and integrity. If you want to be a man like this, if you want to be a man that is deserving of honor, that is deserving of respect, then it starts with learning to tell the truth to yourself. And so here's what we ask in this question, this integrity question that Andy brings out today. Before you make a decision, you have to ask yourself, am I being honest 
about this thing, really. Going back to the book, Andy says this, you may not owe it to anyone else, but you owe it to yourself to be honest about why you choose what you choose, why you're deciding what you're deciding. There's no win in selling yourself. There's no win in justifying your options. Just tell yourself the truth. It helps to ask these questions, but on the second round, it helps to add another word. Am I being honest with myself? And the other word that we add is, am I really? Why am I doing this really? Why am I avoiding this thing really? Why am I postponing doing this thing really? Why do I keep making excuses really? Why am I going over here really? Why did I say yes to this thing really? Why did I choose to wear this thing really? Why did I choose to purchase or lease this thing really? Why do I drive this thing really? Why did I order this thing really? Why did I move in there really? Why am I moving out really? As stated earlier, when it comes to selling ourselves on bad ideas or bad decisions, we're the best at it. When it comes to convincing ourselves to do the wrong thing, we're experts. But when it comes to building and arguing a case for why we should do something we know we shouldn't do, we're unassailable litigating fools. We all deserve honorary law degrees. So let's stop with all of that. Just tell yourself the unfiltered truth. It won't hurt. Well, maybe it will hurt your ego. You may hurt your own feelings. You might even embarrass yourself to yourself. But in the end, it may help. Owning the real why behind your what may cause lights to come on. Lights, though, can be terrifying. Roaches and rats certainly think so. But light can be a disinfectant. Truth can be as well. They should go hand in hand. So bring your narratives, justifications, and excuses into the light. You just may learn something. What we learn when we turn on the light and when we tell the truth is that we start taking responsibility for it and we just say, look, I bought this thing because I wanted to feel good about myself. I bought this truck because I thought it would soothe over some pain that I'm feeling. I got into this relationship hoping that you know, it would satisfy this thing in me that feels like you know maybe I'm not enough, that I don't have what it takes. And having a beautiful girl in my arm, even though she's toxic, makes me feel like you know I still have it in me or something like that. We justify and go through all these things. We buy houses that way. We buy extra stuff this way. We pursue careers this way and on and on it goes. We make decisions over and over and over again. And if we're not honest about what it's about really, then we're going to continue to make poor decisions and in the end have more and more regret. We're making decisions and we're simply just not being honest with ourselves. We are justifying what's happening. But if we could just put some light into it, some truth into it, and start saying, you know what, I've got some emotional issues here that I've got to deal with. It's why I'm buying this stuff. It's why I'm saying yes to this stuff. It's why I'm doing this stuff. I've got to be honest with it. I've got to ask for some help. And if we can, then that light can expose the darkness. And then we can really start to change the direction of our lives. Andy kind of gives in this chapter three big areas that we need to be aware of that I'll start with the D and he says this, we need to be truthful about dumb purchases. You know, I was just kind of mentioning some of those, but just think about the way that you spend money and asking the question, am I being honest about why I bought this really? Am I really being honest about, you know, why I bought this 
you know, extra clothes that I really don't need, why I bought this car, why I bought this stuff, you know, where I spend my money. Dumb purchases is something that men do all the time. And we justify it like crazy. We're amazing lawyers in our own brain explaining why this was a good thing. You know, the kids are going to get to enjoy this or my wife will really appreciate this or on and on it is like whatever that that narrative is that you told yourself, but you know, it's a lie. You need to be honest about that when it comes to dumb purchases. He talks about doomed relationships and man, think about the regret of relationships that you look back at and say, man, I wish I would have never opened that door to that relationship that has caused so much regret so much pain. One of my closest friends had dated and wanted to marry this girl years ago. And a few of us approached him about it and just begged him to not open that door and to say like, it's not too late. You can back out of this. It's okay. There's trouble ahead. And that doomed relationship was doomed from the start. And it led to some painful, painful things that still are consequences today that are just still being dealt with today. And it's painful to watch what happens. And and again, I could tell stories of my own and I bet you listening to this have some doomed relationships in your past that you wish you could maybe start over, do over, change completely. But the reality is you can't change those in the past. What you can do though, is look ahead and look at doomed relationships you know, whether that's at work, maybe that's taking on a job. There's a relationship that you're creating with your job that's doomed from the beginning. It's asking you to be a great worker instead of a great husband or father. And it's doomed from the beginning. Maybe it's that kind of relationship. Maybe it's if you're a single man, a young man, or just a divorced man, or somebody who's unmarried, and you're just looking and you're still in the dating world, man, you've got to be careful. You've got to be able to ask yourself when you're looking at a relationship to say, am I being honest with myself really about why I'm dating this girl, why I'm getting online and trying to build a relationship? What is the thing that I feel like this relationship's going to do for me? And is that true? And put some light on there before you get into a relationship that could lead you to a place of deep regret. The third D that Andy talks about is destructive habits. Again, you look at those things that you do on a consistent daily basis you know, when it becomes a habit, you really don't have to think hard about it. You're just so trained in doing some of those things that they're going to lead you to a, a place of great regret. And again, that could be in your spiritual health. Are you a person that stops and reads and prays? Are you a person that invites accountability into your life? We were talking about this with our kids the other day and just saying like, look, the habit of being on your phone is this incredibly destructive opportunity. And you've got to learn to control it before it controls you. And you've got to invite other people into your life, accountability into your life with this phone, this thing, this device that is just stealing and robbing from us. And we know it. it's a destructive habit to be stuck on this thing all day long. Even if you're not looking at terrible things, the fact is it is stealing your attention. It is causing you to live a distracted life. And this is just a poor habit. It's a destructive habit that we need to get control over habits about exercise habits about, you know, financial practices, giving, serving, like, what do you do with your time? What do you do with those habits? The, the thoughts that you have a habit of just, you know, speaking down to yourself and saying, you know, believing the lies, I guess that the devil tells you 
that you're not good enough, that you're not strong enough, that you don't have what it takes. He just beats you down. And those habits of saying that, oh yeah, I, I agree with the devil instead of the Lord. I agree that that's who I am is a, is a bad habit. It's a destructive habit that goes on just in your mind. And so there's all kinds of ways that you can be involved in destructive habits. But what I want you to think about when it comes to those habits is this. Every time you get to a decision-making process, there is dialogue in your head that is going on. There's a, there's a conversation in your mind that's going on. And I want you to try to pause here and think, what is that conversation like in your mind? What is happening in those moments before you made poor decisions that led to big regrets? There's a dialogue that's happening here that we have to pay attention to. And so going back to the book here, Andy goes on to say this. Here's how this works. Our hearts get wrapped around something or someone, and we experience desire, want. So the heart sends a message to the brain that says, hey, brain, I want this. Figure out a way to justify it and get it for me. Now, our brains are smart, and that's why we call them brains. And our brains know that whereas it's difficult to justify a want, it's not so difficult to justify a need. So the first thing the brain does is upgrade the messaging to something far more sophisticated than want. The brain says, you need this. Once we're convinced that we need something, it's easy to sell ourselves on it. Before long, we have a list of justifications for buying it, drinking it, staying, leaving, lying, asking it out or asking it in. But the reasons we use to sell ourselves aren't really reasons, they're justifications. Justifications for what we want to do. So here's a second version of the same idea I highlighted above. You rarely have to justify a good idea. Justifying is akin to just a lying. You're just a lying to yourself. And in most instances, you know it. But we listen to our convoluted, confused reasoning until we actually believe it. And once that starts, it's so hard to be honest with ourselves, isn't it? There's always an internal conflict between the options we intuitively know we should choose and the options we're tempted to choose, between the options that are best for us and the options we sell ourselves on. Again, when it comes to selling ourselves on bad ideas, we're amazing, which is so odd, because at the same time, we are 100% committed to doing what's best for us, at least in our minds, but not always so in our decisions. Do you want to be healthy? Of course you do. We all do. But we all decide to the contrary just about every time we sit down to eat. Do you want to be healthy financially and relationally? Of course you do. Again, we all do. Why then are we so prone to decide in the opposite direction? Why is self-control so difficult for ourselves when ourselves would swear that we want what's best for ourselves? Strange, isn't it? We've all stared at ourselves in the mirror and asked, why did I do that? Why did I do that again? Another way of asking the same question is, why did I decide to do that again? Which leads us to a question I want us to tackle right now. Why are we so prone to self-deception? Why do we lie to ourselves? Why do we lie to ourselves about ourselves? Why do we talk ourselves into things that we later regret? And most importantly, how do we stop? Good questions, right? And he's so, he's so right on in that. We are justifying decisions every single day. We're saying... Not only do I want this, but even more importantly, I need this thing. Why am I flirting with this girl? Well, I, I need this in my life. Somehow this is going to lead me 
to a better life. And that is the lie. That is where the light has to shine on that dark idea and say that that's not true. This decision, again, this is what we're talking about here is making better decisions. This decision to follow an impulse, an urge, the urge itself may not be bad, but where it's going may absolutely destroy you. If it's a girl at work that you are pursuing and you're a married man or she's a married person and you are starting to walk down that path, you're making a decision in that moment and there is dialogue that happens in your head that says, okay, this is okay because I'm not flirting. I'm just being a good coworker. I'm just being friendly or whatever it is, right? You can see where this goes. We lie about the situation. We're not really honest about it. And we come back to this integrity question and we say, am I really being honest about this? Am I really? That's the key. The key, if we want to stop, is to do two things. Ready? Here's the way we get past this. And this is where we really want to wrap up today. Two things that you need to do if you want to make better decisions and have fewer regrets and have more integrity in your private and your public life is to, number one, admit it. Admit that you have a faulty or skewed decision-making process. Admit that you've made mistakes in it in the past. Admit that you haven't made good decisions and that you need help. You have to admit it. You have to be honest. You have to take ownership over what has led to so many regrets and, and say, I'm, I'm not going to keep doing that. I'm not going to keep making the same mistakes. And I'm not going to blame anyone or anything other than me. For a man to take ownership over his life is to change his life. The bad news with ownership is that you have to say, this is super embarrassing. I opened this door. I purchased this thing. I made this decision. Nobody else. I screwed up. But that is powerful and positive because you realize that if, if you can get to that place of honesty where you're saying, this is all on me, is you can say, with God's strength, I can change it from here. right? And this is, the, this is that, that little minor caveat here that's not so minor. The ownership of blame is you, but the way to change is through Christ. And just to say, God, I can't, I can't learn to make better decisions on my own. I haven't proven to be full of integrity, but we pray every day in our fight club that God would do that, that God would make that change in my heart and in my mind. And that's what we need. We need a spiritual change. We need a, a new power to overcome what has led us to so many regrets. We need power internally to make better decisions. And that comes not by will or might or strength on our own, but by God's spirit in us, working in us. And it starts with us saying, God, I admit it. I have not done a great job at making decisions that honor you and I need your help and I'm going to take ownership for it. And I start to make changes in the way that I process my decision-making. So the first step is to admit it. And the second one is just to ask the integrity question. Before you make a decision and you're feeling this tension in your heart and in your mind and you know that you need to pause, you say, God, I admit it. I haven't been very good here and there's a decision coming up and I need your help with it. And then you ask this question, am I being honest with myself? Am I being honest about what this is really about? What, what am I really about to decide on this thing for? What is it really about? And you've got to be honest. And I would tell you this, if you struggle, and we all do, I think, 
If you struggle to be honest with yourself, here's where you need a band of brothers in particular. You need men in your life that you will invite into the decision-making process that you can say, hey, there's this relationship that's going on. There's a decision that I have to make about, you know, finances or, you know, whatever it is, any decision you can think of and say, would you come in to this decision with me? And that's tough. It's tough for a lot of men because we feel like I don't need any help. I understand this. I, I can be honest with myself. And we go through this justification process and we can convince ourselves that we don't need anybody else. But the reality is if you get defensive like that, that most likely you need people in that decision with you because most likely you are just justifying something to yourself and you're not really being honest about it. That isn't always true, but many times we know it's true. We don't invite people in because we know we want to do this thing. We've convinced ourselves that it's a need and now we're just going to make it happen no matter what. And, and we will probably get to a point where we say, man, I wish I would have paid attention. I wish I would have invited some men into my life in this stuff. And so dumb purchases are an area that you need to be careful of. Doomed relationships are another area that you need to be careful of. And destructive habits is an area that you need to be careful of. And, and the way we get past that is to admit that we need help. Admit that we are the ones that have caused problems. And then turn to the Lord and say, God, help me to be honest with myself in this. What am I really looking for here? And where am I turning away from you and your wisdom? God, help me to be a man of honor and integrity. Help me to live my life in such a way that is pleasing to you. And the way that we do that is to surround ourselves with more of Christ, to be so intimately connected to him and to his word and to a group of men who are on the same path as you is the key to life. If you want to get to a place where you become a man of honor and integrity, and you make better decisions that lead to fewer regrets, then this is the pathway to admit it, to ask the integrity question. Am I being honest with myself, really? Am I really spending time with the Lord? Have I invited men into my life who can hold me accountable, who love me, who might tell me the hard things to do, but I know it's for my good? If you get to that place, then you very well could end up looking back at your life and saying, I'm so glad that I did all of those things because I have so many fewer regrets. That's my hope for you and I today. Hey guys, thanks so much for being here today and listening to the show. Please be sure to head over to the website at getinthefight.club. And before you go, if you haven't already, please subscribe, click the like button, and leave us a positive five-star review. It makes a huge difference whenever you do. Have a great day. Go get in the fight.